I love, I'm going to tell you non-smokers something right now that I know for a fact you don't know, and I delight in telling my brothers things they don't know, particularly when they're true, which this is. Ready? Non-smokers. Ready? Drum roll. Non-smokers die every day. <laughs> Sleep tight. <laughs> One and all, welcome to another edition of Nick's Nonfiction. I'm your host, comic Nick Munez. Today we've got a bestseller. Over 15 million of these books sold. It is Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking. 50 chapters, repetitive, that I boiled down into eight today. Carr went through a period where he was smoking a hundred cigarettes a day. Breathe air much, buddy? Ellen DeGeneres, she says everyone who reads this book stops. And I stopped. Imagine having to be on Ellen's staff while she was undergoing nicotine withdrawal. We're going to learn about substitution and how you're going to pick up other habits. <laughs> Your relationships may falter as well. Alan Carr gives thanks to his hypnotist for breaking his physical smoking addiction. It wasn't some dangling stopwatch or spinning plates that got him. He said it was a complete reframing of his point of view. He never stopped to look at himself as a nicotine addict. And once those pieces clicked in, he realized I'm a slave. This is not a racially sensitive episode. <laughs> nicotine addiction is akin to slavery. Oh, we grow the white man's tobacco and get addicted. We're all slaves. There are two key pieces of information Alan also says. The second was his son, John, lent him a medical handbook, which was explaining how withdrawal doesn't last forever, but the cravings do. So this empty, insecure feeling, maybe that's the human experience that you are having a trouble coming to terms with. And we're going to go as deep as we can on the topic of smoking today. Got some funny bits to open up and throw out. And hopefully people out there maybe help you change your perspective as well if you are addicted. I've got plenty of addictions. We're going into mine. It's not a shaming episode. Drop some mushrooms. Psilocybin has a 50% cure on lifetime smokers. Do some ayahuasca. Drown in the Amazon River. We're creatures of behavior. Today's book is a deeper look at the patterns that we are herded into. Tons of humor. Let's get into what Alan Carr's about the author. Mans is a ghost. Nothing about him online. He was uh, London-born, started smoking when he was in the National Service at the age of 18. Didn't specify what service that means. He was qualified as an accountant in 1958, stopped smoking officially in 1983. 30-year career of smoking. By the age of 48, he was free, thanks to that hypnotherapist. Then he wrote this book and started touring with it. It's all kind of interactive. He set up the car easy way method across the country in the 80s. It was like Weight Watchers or AA for smoking. Guy passed away in 2006, though. I guess it took its toll on him. He was living in Spain. Smoking is Spain without the S. It's a doomer joke for you. And in 1995, I got the copy from that year again from a secondhand store. You could tell the person before me smoked to the thing reeked. Is <laughs> he yellow pages? Alan Carr, international man of mystery, here to teach us the easiest way to stop smoking. 
you can and should use these tips. You can use it to identify any addictive behavior. It's not a one-size-fits-all. We're fixing personalities today. Eight-chapter book from addiction to weaning off to quitting cold turkey. Chapter one is called Addiction, so let me ramp up my caffeine intake. There's also sugar in there. I'm addicted to mocha. Chapter one, Addiction. Alan Carr, he's not a doctor. He's not a psychologist. He is just a 33-year fellow smoker. Within a three-year period, I said he was smoking 100 butts a day, 60 average for 30 years. (laughs) Successfully quit for six months in there. Still continued the behavior afterwards. Shows you how powerful it is. He was standing by an ashtray and he caught a whiff just of the ashtray, not of another smoker, and that was all it took to trigger him. Six months of progress. Gone. Most smokers know the detriments. I mean, the hundred years of science is out there. We all have like ancestors that have passed away from lung cancer. He's going, everybody justifies the thing saying, I'll just stop before I get the cancer screening, before something bad happens to me. Alan Carr was developing a cough. He had a bulging forehead vein that he was convinced was going to hemorrhage one day during one of his coughing fits. That was enough to get him to stop. He's saying you know you're an addict when you're trying to give something up. We're going to go for all of his guru methods today, but try to listen with a keen ear. Life is habituation, behavior, and addiction. (laughs) He's going, if you try to give up anything, that means you're addicted to it. A little bit true. People are addicted to food, TV, booze. Turn on TLC. There are people addicted to eating couch cushions, sofas. People eat paper. I mean, picking at your nails. There's always going to be something. Addiction, this is about his quitting fails as he originally told himself that quitting's going to be easy. And it's not until he acknowledged the pain that he was about to go through that he could fathom it. Denial, getting over that is a big step to actually being able to quit. And the two reasons, he says in chapter one, people fail is an inability to follow instructions and worse, the failure to understand, like his early failed attempts. But then once you get the playbook, you can make it happen. The easy way, Alan's method to quit, is embracing the frame of mind change. Got to recognize the doom and gloom, the misery and depression ahead, and then set off through it. Know what you're getting into. It's rather to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. You got to be prepared. Are you going to McCandles it, walk into the woods without an axe? Why are you going to go into sobriety without knowing? Yeah, this is going to bring a lot of depression and boredom. Most people just get overwhelmed by the task. I can never smoke another cigarette ever. That's enough to make them keep smoking or not even try to quit. Car is like, that can't be your frame of mind. You have to tell yourself, one day I'm going to have a fully functioning circulatory system again. And he says, you know, the phase change is working when you start to see other smokers with pity instead of envy. You're walking by that ashtray and it makes you sick to your stomach. You're not salivating anymore. He says the desire, again, will never subside. You're still a smoker. You're just like an AA. They call you a dry drunk now. (laughs) You're an addict, but you can't enjoy it. All kind of jail cells out there. Carr is trying to say, look at those smokers as being within the nicotine prison and feel superior to them. How does anybody exist in the world. You got to tell yourself that you 
know something other people don't. I'm a I'm a Democrat, so I know this. I'm a Republican, so I support my family. Everybody's got a little superiority in them. Alan's like, exploit it. Use this psychology to your advantage. Those smokers are fucking degenerates. You don't need to be with that. Look down on them. <laughs> it's going to get worse. He says, don't stop reading the book when you see the end in sight. People often fail towards the latter half of their quit. And 95% of attempts fail. <laughs> That's bad. It tells you how powerful this thing is. Peer pressure. It's useless when it comes to personal addiction. Last half of the chapter, he's talking about medical interventions are shown to do more harm than good. Like wives were writing in, I can't get my husband to stop smoking. I gave him the ultimatum. And he would leave me. Your chemical... This is more powerful than oxytocin, than the drug of love. This shit rewires your brain. We're going to go into how it's the true gateway drug in a later chapter. Really interesting. He says when someone else catalyzes the change, it perpetuates in the smoker that he's making a sacrifice, which often leads to resentment. You got to make the change for yourself. If you do it for someone, you're always looking at them and thinking, I could be having a cigarette right now if it wasn't for this bitch. So you got to get crafty with it. You got to make the husband think that he thought of it himself. 5D chess. Or, you know, just let people be individuals. Carr said one doctor had to reassign him as a patient because he kept calling for courage and confidence. So Carr is usually selective with his clients. And he had this one doctor who was like, you're my sponsor, bro. I need you. I need this courage every single day. I need you to be there for me and cars like <laughs> there's no fucking buddy system that works when it comes to brainwashing you guys are probably going to relapse together you have to do this for yourself pretty nuts that goes against all the aa teachings if we have any 12 step disciples here <laughs> i mean i'm gonna talk harder shit don't you guys think it's funny aa you are the anti-addiction league and you have coffee and donuts in the back of your meetings and every single AA person is addicted to smoking cigarettes. <laughs> I know. The bigger theme of this show is choose your addictions. Try not to do the worst possible ones. Just a heavy dose of hypocrisy when you walk in there. They're dropping truth, so you gotta listen with that critical ear. He says when you relapse, wrapping it up, the first thing that you want to do is quit again. So that feeling of like it feels good the first rush and then you're like fuck I'm at day zero again zero days since the last injury in the factory gotta start from square one he's like bottle up that feeling that is powerful what did David Goggins call it the cookie jar of accomplishments you gotta hold on to these feelings and use them as fuel later on he calls it the merry-go-round of extraordinary enigma cause you don't know why you do this you know it's not good for you but it's spikes your hormones in a certain way, releases nootropics, that it really just gets you hooked for no rational reason. He ended the chapter saying to get lost in the weeds of science is not going to find you an answer. Freud is on the infamous list on Nick's nonfiction. He used to say, smoking addictions come from over-breastfeeding. What? Yeah, I, this is the guy, he has to link everything back to when you were two years old. If your mom kept you on the tip for too long, now you're a hardcore smoker. <laughs> if you get too lost in the science, you're not going to find the answers. you got to want to change for yourself. doesn't matter. Anyone can quit. 
if equipped with the right tools. Addiction. Let's go to chapter two. Recaffeinate <laughs> the sinister trap. Common theme on the show. The money men. What would be our billion dollar idea? Shark tank me right now. I've been emailed sketch ideas and podcast offers. What is going to be our billion dollar business? And you look at the corporate model for Apple for Nike, it's repeat customers and annually increasing margins. Corporate growth exponentially every single year. You cannot stagnate. This makes addiction the perfect model for your customers. What? Why else are we doing anything when we know we could get people addicted to shit? <laughs> Car detailed the over 50 man-made chemical concoctions inside of a cigarette it's the perfect poison it's questionably the most addictive thing out there it's able to simultaneously make men feel tough and women feel sexy this is a marketing chapter everything is about the social name there's this uh chain of restaurants that just opened in colorado flower child what are we getting together to eat flowers? Me and the boys are eating at Bad Daddy's Burger Shack. We don't give a fuck about the names. If you want to market something to the masses, it's got to be sexy. And we're not going to do the whole history of the 1920s. They're going, ladies, skinny cigarettes are going to make you thin. <laughs> they just straight up lie to you. Whoa, the science changed. It's almost like Anthony Fauci was the cigarette scientist. <laughs> You see those pictures of people in China, they're wearing the medical masks and they got a little hole in it so they could smoke through. Think about this, along with food, water, rations, when you're overseas and fighting a war, cigarettes are also on the list of daily nourishment. But if you're in Vietnam and you smoke weed, you get dishonorably discharged. They're trying to get these 18-year-old kids hooked on cigarettes. It's a really dirty, sinister trap, he's saying. I always told myself if I was to enlist or be in a war, I would start smoking. Just because all this propaganda works. You watch these Vietnam movies, there's these guys avoiding booby traps. When the real booby trap is the cigarette. That brainwashing shit works. And, like, girls vape more now. They think <laughs> even the uh, Wojak girl. I used to look at the scumbag steve memes the meme personalities used to have a character a point of view a take these new memes the chicks are only funny because they're vaping <laughs> it's working again another generation of e-smokers it's one of our later chapters it's a sinister trap for every age Carr had a great study here that shows you it's not worth it even to relieve some stress on the battlefield Smoker long-term studies have shown considerably higher amounts of cortisol levels throughout the life. He's going, they have higher levels of stress throughout their life. Science, science, science. But you have to ask yourself, chicken or the egg? Do these people have shit lives so they start smoking? Or is it they uh, smoke and then they get stressed out? And then they smoke again and then they get stressed out again? And that's the mentality you have to tell yourself to be able to quit. However... Look at the Philippines. There's kids working in factories there. If you're not smoking a pack a day by the time you're 13, you're not a man in Southeast Asia. You've seen that picture of the chubby kid. I'll do the picture on the YouTube. He's a little police officer. He's 12 years old, and he's cheap in cigarettes. <laughs> I think quality of life is directly related to how much you're smoking stress. 
It's not like the cigarette creates the stress. Hey, North Korea, they don't let you smoke weed, but they provide you with cigarettes. Shows you what the sinister trap is about. <laughs> he goes, The trap is so sinister, it starts before you know any better. At the deepest level, nobody has a good reason to still be smoking. It goes back to that thing in the bio for the show, Most people's regret that die from lung cancer is trying their first ever cigarette. So don't even open the box. Don't try new things. <laughs> if you have an addictive personality, stop. Don't play with fire. That's not what the show is about, though, today. It's about quitting. And you got to remember these little Filipino kids. You got to remember the worst famines in history throughout the biggest war. People went through cigarette withdrawal. Stress just becomes your justification to smoke again. Oh, I'm stressed out. I need another one. Let's get brutally honest. I just read um, Unbroken Louis Zamparelli. It's World War II. Guy's on a raft for a month in the Pacific Ocean. He gets swooped up by the Japanese. He's a prisoner of war. They lock him in an outhouse <laughs> for 40 days, pitch black. He's huffing fecal air, and he's withdrawing from cigarettes. If he can make it through 40 days in an outhouse, you are a pussy. You have all of the other vices in the world. <laughs> Kick him one at a time. Also in this chapter was that 1971 uh, redefinition of cigarettes. Now they are legally a delivery mechanism for nicotine rather than a consumable product. So that would be like if the FDA started to define Twinkies as the box. <laughs> They're going, you could put anything you want in the Twinkie, you just eat the entire box. Nicotine, it's a fast-acting drug. It enters and exits the body extremely quickly that's why you got to redose every <laughs> depends if you're al every 10 minutes <clears throat> there's not a lot of drugs that you could do 20 to 40 times a day cigarettes are pretty perfect to trap a consumerist mindset let me go deeper into the sinister trap the early trolley system you guys got to read into this what are we going to talk about cigarettes for 50 straight minutes <laughs> The trolley system used to connect the entire East Coast up from Massachusetts down to Florida. You could ride it for a dollar. And then you could always hitchhike on the rails. But I bet nobody knew these were deconstructed in the 30s because cars and gasoline were getting cheap enough for the masses. And by cheap enough, I mean you could charge people a lot more gas and insurance every year than one dollar to ride a trolley. They're willing to do this to your roadways. How come Marlboro hasn't one up to the jewel yet? If we're just talking about traps here, you would think they already know. Or maybe you should look into who owns Jewel. <laughs> There's E-Leaf. Yes, this is going to be the clean one. We are straight up the generation of lab rats. Everybody my age with the iPhones. There's a later chapter on that type of addiction. <laughs> we're going to see what all this shit does. Some people say that loneliness is the new smoking well we still know that smoking is the smoking so try not to vape <laughs> all these traps reopen the trolleys in either system though techno or retro classic lung cancer the only true enjoyment that you're getting is the temporary relief from the discomfort created by the previous cigarette the definition of a cycle of addiction you really got to submit to the change to be able to get over it because he ended the chapter here <laughs> Alec Gar goes there are four ways to identify the impulses for smoking 
boredom, concentration, stress, and relaxation. What's the opposite of boredom? Being concentrated, doing something. Opposite of relaxation, being stressed out. So the impulse to smoke helps during all four of the existing moods I have in my life. I don't know, man. Smoking sounds fucking awesome. Boredom, concentration. This is the answer to life, baby. I like Hunter S. Times and Stephen King. These guys were cigarette addicts. They wrote the best books in history. <laughs> the disadvantages outweigh the advantages. You don't need to let people die in vain before you. <laughs> all of that research, all the millions of people, probably your own grandma, don't make the same mistake they did. I'm pretty sure that is the Oxford definition of an idiot, watching somebody walk headfirst into a trap and then doing the same thing. <laughs> he closed on a bombshell point. Only on chapter two here he goes, Marijuana is often labeled as a gateway drug, but I've never met one heroin addict who wasn't addicted to smoking. As I'm saying, with this really tight cycle of redosing, cigarettes teach you how to be an addict. Kind of like sugar from an early age, all those commercials. I see them at the gym now. They have this, like, remember bubblegum tape? They just have a gummy tape dispenser now. Holy shit, I would be jonesing for that if I was still on the sugar train. How come it's marijuana, the introspective psychedelic that's labeled as the gateway drug, when every single heroin user uses cigarettes? You gotta open your eyes a little bit more. We'll go deeper into pot, because it's not a miracle drug, as a lot of the modern hippies like to... They're like sprinkling angel dust on this shit nowadays. And I can't be hypocritical myself. I'm just trying to say that Nicotine is a stimulant, so literally, if you've done Adderall, if you've done cocaine, you know the physical withdrawal. Basically the opposite to the stimulant, which works as a catalyst. It's two sides to every story. I think I'm going to pick up smoking to stop the boredom, concentration, stress, and relaxation. <laughs> as I said before, people could get addicted to anything. But where are the devil's traps out there? There's a lot of sinister ones. Let's go to chapter 3 withdrawal some people successfully convince themselves that they smoke for enjoyment and relaxation Alan Carr says this is an illusion <laughs> withdrawal pangs are so mild that people don't even know they exist that's why it's so dangerous you could be a few weeks in and then you realize it already has its hooks in you the early days you're just using it as a social prop Think about this one. You are like on a car ride with your friends and you see one of them start to go through withdrawal because they haven't looked at their phone in 10 minutes. And we have all the information now. They give you the stats, the screen time. You couldn't look and see what percent lung cancer you are at. My point is in the 1980s, there were people uncomfortable at social events. You used the social prop of a cigarette then. Now you could just pull out your phone. <laughs> There's no reason to be sucking tar down into your veins. <laughs> I bet a cigarette, though, is more efficient at relieving stress and mild anxiety. And you look badass when you do it. He did bring up from the last chapter the four points, stress, boredom, concentration, relaxation. One by one, he says, stress comes from great tragedy to minor inconvenience. And if your answer to any misstep in life requires nicotine 
that's a broken person, man. You don't want to be dependent on shit. This is when we really start getting into the 12 step of AA. You're a fucking weak man if you can't go a day without some tobacco. He said long-term smokers are generally cranky. Just overall, it takes over your personality after decades of doing this thing. He's going, you have toxins at all times attacking your central nervous system. You're constantly at war. So yeah, your body is under stress all the time. It's always just trying to vacuum these chemicals out. It's a great one for the paradigm shift. They really do create more stress than relieve it. <laughs> it's like, um, I watch these, uh, food documentaries. We're all addicted to these hormones and bullshit. It puts a lot of stress on your body when you have ragu sauce that has <laughs> like synthetic starch and all. Read the back of it. You can't pronounce half of it. The tip for clean eating is just be able to pronounce everything in your food or have one ingredient in all your food. I know it sounds boring, but that's the, the whole thing about being healthy and sober. It's fucking lame. It's really boring. <laughs> and boredom is the root of most addiction. If you're uh, eating healthy, eating really simple and not putting 50 chemicals 10 times a day straight into your circulatory system, it's going to help with the stress put on your body over time. He says boredom. One of the other four is the root of most addiction. So if you're not smoking, you're going to be watching more TV. He says later, like more than 50% of people add 10 pounds within the first month of quitting smoking. The dumbest part I think about smoking is that you are also bored while you are smoking. There is no payoff. If we're talking about relaxation and stress the people who use marijuana correctly use it as a gauge to switch over into the relaxation mode like lazy people get a hold of every drug they ruin everything addicts also use cigarettes mark twain he was the best writer ever he smoked tobacco out of his pipe it's moderation it's like the dumbest people doing the dumbest you are going to be the guy that's passed out with an ashtray on his gut and you have cigarette holes burnt into you, you're not even enjoying smoking anymore. It is the new boredom. You just fucked up your baseline. You got to deconstruct the whole situation. Boredom, it's a frame of mind. Why is boredom not just relaxation? It's because you're not working hard enough in other aspects. I'm not going to try to psychoanalyze this entire thing, but <laughs> of course, if you're bored, you could have a cigarette, but after too much exposure that doesn't pique your interest anymore you got to keep the vibe the i look at audio waves all week you got to keep that within a certain bandwidth you can't be spiking insane lows and highs every week it's how everyone wants to live like a rock star you're gonna die early <laughs> so maybe it is <laughs> for the better third out of the four was concentration alan carr completely lost me here he defines concentration as the absence of a distraction. He does this throughout the whole book. He assumes the opposite. If I say, I don't want to invade the Middle East, that doesn't mean I want to see America get terrorized. It's one of the most base logical fallacies. <laughs> That's why this is more like motivational speaking than scientific, he had to say in that first chapter. I'm not a doctor. What was the... Uh... Acetylcholine. 
That is one of the main components in nicotine, which enhances memory and comprehensive speed. So maybe those Chinese kids are so good at math problems because they're chief in cigarettes. Enhances your comprehensive speed, enhances memory. I've smoked cigarettes out with the stand-ups before a set, and it does get you quicker on your toes. It's a fucking hack. If you use it in moderation, super disciplined, it's like any drug at this point. You're starting to learn addictive personalities is the issue. So this book is to really fix those people. If we're taking a chemical look at cigarettes, acetylcholine debunks Alan Carr's definition. There are actual nootropics within these cancer sticks that are going to make you funnier. <laughs> I caught Carr in a bold-faced lie. This is a uh, Machiavellian book. He's lying to you for your own good. Guys, I recently had to... Uh, dump my wife. If you remember on the show, I'm married to Merriam Webster. Love a big vocabulary. Good words. She recently changed the definition for herd immunity. Yes, I'm going there. It used to be achieved immunization through exposure, and now it's achieved immunization through vaccination. There are people online who have the old screenshot of it. My point is, I'm an Oxford guy now. Merriam-Webster could go fucking burn in hell. I saw she had a man spreading and a bunch of this other doublespeak. <laughs> what is it? Ingsoc? This 1984 language. I'll let you guys know when the wedding is. And the last of the four of those things, the benefits to cigarettes. <laughs> Relaxation. Carr says it's a myth because you're pairing the cigarette with other relaxing activities. He called it something later like cigarette combinations and you're fooling yourself into thinking cigarettes cure my boredom, my relaxation, and it's just because you're doing something else with it. Gotta beware of these traps. The withdrawal is gonna get you hard. He said nicotine is like a Venus fly trap. Gives you a little nectar up front and then you become the sustenance for the evil trap. Chapter 4, Self-Imposed Slavery. You'll ask yourself, what am I giving up? Countless times, as you're smoking, you're going to be justifying it. I love this. Why would I? There's nothing wrong with smoking. <laughs> he says the only thing that you are quitting, Tony Robbins enhances, is fear. He goes, as you quit, your dependency, your hunger, your tolerance for any sort of uncomfortability will grow. It's almost like I want to get addicted to cigarettes just so I could say that I quit. It builds you into more of a man. Imagine next time you're sitting online at the DMV, you're going to be thinking, I fucking <laughs> was shaking there with the sweats like Ray Charles coming down off of cigarettes. You're a fucking bigger man for having gone through that. Alan Carr did die probably 25 years prematurely. Hey, I can't say I wrote a 15 million bestseller book. Highs and lows. <laughs> He's telling you to vibe in the middle. To choose your own adventure out here. You can choose the self-imposed slavery. Cigarettes, they don't fill the void. They create a bigger one. It's a useless vacuum. Hunter S. Thompson, you read his daily schedule, and he's on the Hemingway list. I think that guy did a... Uh, same thing. They were like 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. cocaine to wake me up. 11 to 12 Sudafeds. 12 to 2 alcohol. Cigarettes. Blah, blah, blah. Like every single moment of their day wasn't regimented like a soldier. It was like a Space Force Guardian psychonaut. 
They create a bigger void at a certain point. Your body has a million-year-old system to determine what is a toxin and what is a food. And when we start tampering with that shit, putting these 50 concoction chemicals into our bloodstreams, <laughs> Carr said that over time it dampens your body's ability to identify nutrients. You're really just confusing your body. Think about that. So when you finally quit, you have to eat twice as much broccoli. Your gut is all fucked up. It doesn't even know it's healthy. I'd rather have to quit smoking 10 times than eat more broccoli. <laughs> Our bodies are well-educated over millions of years. They've been refined. You know what? The body is a perfect machine, but I've been thinking about getting the coronavirus just so I don't smell and taste anymore. Imagine how clean you could eat. I'd be shredded if I hated the taste of donuts. Coronavirus sounds like a fucking superpower, son. <laughs> it's self-imposed slavery. The nicotine, it becomes the threshold for taste. It changes your palate. Now you only eat pungent, bitter, runny cheese. <laughs> Carr says cigarettes ruin meals because toxins work as checkpoints for flavor. It's like Indian people. <laughs> they can't enjoy any food unless there is 10 layers of Cajun seasoning curry on it. It's like spice. You could get addicted to spice. I think people who pretend to enjoy fruit are liars. Let me defend my claim here. If you quit sugar for long enough, fruit is a gift from God. You come across a piece of cantaloupe, this orange moist it's like sweating it looks sexual you want to sink your teeth into this thing the day after you eat some ice cream fruit tastes like fucking cardboard <laughs> you gotta it's a paradigm shift on the food too these lab made supplements are on a whole nother level of addiction think about that I'm talking about ice cream over the million year old fruits that God had in the garden of Eden could eat all he wanted we've broken our palates and smoking will permanently put a fog, a damp cloud in your mouth. It's a permanent humidor, so you can't enjoy food anymore. Quitting either sugar or smoking makes you both healthier and wealthier. You're saving money. It's slavery. You're throwing money down the drain. He says stopping makes you happier. You have more disposable income, which most people could use. You got less stress in your life. Your skin improves. He says chronic smokers develop a yellow hue. Your skin is like an indicator for the health beneath. That's what doctors say. So you got to drink a lot of water. It clears up your skin. I think I'm addicted to water. You get addicted to anything. I drink six liters a day. I compulsively piss. Whatever you're addicted to, it's going to show in your skin. That's the biggest indicator. You look at my 600-pound life. This guy looks like a Mountain Dew bottle. Carr said some people going through withdrawal, they manifest a physical itch. Like, obviously, there's a mental one telling you, hey, you got to smoke, smoke now, smoke now. It's time. Get that release. People damage their skin. They will scratch through their cheek. He said people often have a compulsive thing where they touch their lips if they walk by smokers. I don't know. It's not cool after a while. You know, step it up. Get into a pill addiction. You're going to be yellow and smelly all the time take your addiction to, are you taking your quitting seriously or your addiction seriously don't float in the middle on either 
early skin improvements and extra money is the biggest thing that keep people on the track. He says the average smoker will raise over $150,000 in their lifetime to finance their smoking addiction. Most people don't look at their finances that way. Another paradigm shift. You're going to be addicted to saving money then. He said dramatically, smoking is a chain reaction. The first cigarette you ever smoke might as well be worth $100,000. By that logic, the people who died of secondhand smoke are being forcibly robbed. Come on, don't try to get philosophical on us here. Just tell us what you learned from your clients. Last part of the chapter, it's a no-brainer for your health. Funniest thing to me, I'm in the gym parking lot. You see a guy come out sweating. Lights up a fag. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Again, are you taking your fitness seriously or your enjoyment of tobacco? Something I also find funny at the gym, nobody in the sauna is wearing a mask. <laughs> the sauna, the most enclosed, the steam room. Oh my god, Corona, it's in my lungs through the fog. Motherfucker, well, for a month I've been huffing in other dudes' breath. <laughs> We're in there to be healthy, right? This is like the extracurricular of the gym. You don't have to go sweat, be uncomfortable for 20 minutes. The people who take their health seriously in the sauna know that breathing in bacterial pneumonia is worse for your health. Am I enough of a... I've been, literally been sitting in this Petri dish for half a year, and I feel healthier than ever. <laughs> I go to the top of South Boulder Peak, Green Mountain... The higher you get up, the less people have. Nobody who takes their health seriously likes to put three layers of cloth between air and their lungs. Let's take a second look at all of our behaviors. All this shit is for social brownie points, including smoking, which gives you more counterculture points, which is why it's kind of gay. Yeah, I'm calling the fucking goth people out. You're a try-hard counterculture. You're bowing the knee to CEO corporate Marlboro just to prove to normies that you're going against the grain. Grow your hair out. You don't have to kill yourself to be counterculture. You know it's badass to me? Being a fucking beacon of health. That is much more difficult to do in this world where every corner you turn there's Mentos. I love the only pink package. You see, I'm weak. That's the real fucking <laughs> badass, something that most people can't achieve. I don't know, we're all societal slaves. So don't self-impose more slavery upon yourself. Let's go to chapter five with a little more coffee. A social habit. Within ten years of starting, smokers have a reinforced sense of confidence. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> Think about you're going back to the womb. You're in your character development. Most people would award themselves more confidence points. So if I told you I have this easy way for you to be more confident within 10 years, all you have to do is start smoking. Another customer sold, Alan Carr. He tries to flip this into, so those of you who do smoke have a permanent insecurity when you're not smoking. They probably walk a little bit taller knowing they're going to have an extra cigarette later. He's right in the sense that there's a burden to having to find somewhere to flex. <laughs> like, uh, as a gym, you get addicted to the gains, and then if you don't have a membership, you start going through withdrawal. So again, get addicted to the right things. 
Smoking might make you more confidence, but when you don't know, holy shit, where am I going to be able to find a smoke? Do they not allow smoking inside here? It's an extra level of anxiety, and you're not exactly confident at that one second. Additionally, it's a social influence all the way from bars at 16 years old to 60 in bingo halls. People are stepping outside for a smoke, and he said at work. Every hour you get a 10-minute break to smoke. I have thought about picking up cigarettes so many times for this exact reason. You're stupid not to, right? (laughs) Carr says, I was more relaxed and confident without a cigarette in the smoker circle. He says it's an illusion, a crutch, like he's used to hang around with the people after. And he says you're still on your toes. You don't need the cigarette. Still kind of adds a punch to uh, think about Dave Chappelle. This guy has a high level of perceived confidence. He, like, puts his knee up on the speaker, holds his arm out, and ashes onto some white guy's head. That's most of his humor. Definitely adds to the illusion in some people's eye. Carr finds himself more secure without the cigarettes because there's a less sinister shadow that he inhibits. And that's a great point. All this addictive behavior, you gotta go out to buy cigarettes and milk and never see your son again. Addiction creates this snoopy, like, secretive behavior. It's what all the things in rehab are telling you. So he's like, you got to reduce the shadow, and then you know who you are more, or you just have less of an edge then. What do people say? I stopped drinking because it takes the edge off. Some people like to have a fucking edge, Alan. Smoking over time deteriorates your selective attention. He said it's bad for anyone who values thinking. Selective attention. How long can you focus on something? When I take testosterone pills, GNC, baby, I'm able to not only squat more, but I can read longer. It gives you a second wind. You can read more, too. It really does increase your attention. There is... Your natural levels of testosterone will rise when you quit smoking as well. That's enough reason for me to never smoke. It makes you into a bitch. It's like soy milk. Fuck that, man. Hold on to every ounce of testosterone you can in this fucking pussy-ass world. When you successfully quit, he says the sinister black clouds slowly dissipate by day. The last two chapters are advantages of being a non-smoker. He said if your reason to quit is a social excuse, your best bet to quit is the willpower method. He's like, the only reason I was able to go be confident in those smoking circles again was because I took time off from them. So don't be in the social habit when you're trying to withdraw. Uh, What was the four-minute mile? Nobody thought it could ever be broken. It's humanly impossible until the guy shattered it with a 340, and now everyone's seen you could do it. If the only people that you hang out with are addicted to smoking, it is going to seep into your psyche. Oh, I can never quit. Let's be sad together. Fuck that. A lot of the time people say trying to quit is wasted time because they can't tell that they are hooked. I'm not addicted. Why should I try to quit? That's just wasting time. When you're on smack, addicted to heroin, it's pretty obvious because you've lost everything. When you're addicted to smoking, you can't tell. It'll go on for years and years. If you're not sure if you're addicted, he said just take a week off and note when the cravings kick in. Were you addicted or not? People think quitting is removing the desire to smoke. 
and that can't be more wrong. That's why you're going to fail if you have that mindset. The impulse is never going to go away. Never. You're always going to walk by at a gas station and see that. It looks like candy, man. That nice spread they have behind the counter of tobacco. Yo, I used to dip in um high school. <laughs> Put in some fucking chaws, a horseshoe from time to time. That shit. When you're not... Like at the same time the next day, if I didn't have golf practice, you get this feeling in the back of your throat, you jaw a little bit. <laughs> I need it, man. You drool. Physical addiction is very different. Like I've taken months off of sugar and weed. I try to do that every January and I don't drink very much since two weeks to flatten the curve. Um, like you notice when all those impulses kick in, you could write it down. On the 30th day, the impulses are the same as the first day for me. It's just a change of mind. Okay, I'm not doing it right now. I got to find something else to do. You got to fill the void. I think that's just addictive personality. But if you sound like you have a similar mental discourse, that's the way to quit. And you'll know if you were a dipper, if you really were addicted to something, what physical addiction feels like. Habituate yourselves to the right things here. And socially, would I take back dipping in high school? Fuck no. That was hilarious times. Watch a kid throw up on a backswing because they accidentally swallowed. You got to know when to quit. What did uh, Mick say in our last episode? When it's time to be a kid, be a kid, be a man, be a man. Just draw that line in your brain. I do this now. I don't do this now. That's the only way you're ever going to get over something. People think, why do you think ayahuasca works, bro? It's the ability to shift your mindset in a very quick, like, look at MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Over 50% of the time, they could cure a lifetime smoker with one trip. What are we doing here, man? Let's buy more Chantix and Wellbutrin. That'll work. Big Pharma, they love your dollars. I love seeing people grow here. Stoic mindset, we're kicking our addictions. This is all about the social habit. He said, beware of cutting down because you're going to pick up worse habits. The pendulum swings one way. So if you are able to just do the mental trick, of course, like I said, you're going to need to find other things to do, but the pendulum won't pick up new bad habits. Oh, this is a period where I'm stopping bad habits. Swings the other way. Oh, now I'm addicted to Asian massage parlors. Hey, at least you're not going to get lung cancer from a nice rub down. The best way for us to start the complete switch is to find the way to destroy any doubt that you have left vacant. <laughs> so he's going, this little devil, the cigarette demon, is going to weasel into every gyre of your brain that you leave void. You have to be 100% sure you need conviction about this decision that you are done. For real. Unless you're that serious about it. Then smoke a cigarette in the gym parking lot. Have some fun. <laughs> I like to see people live both ways. But these are the tools you need to succeed. I follow this sugar-free forum online. And I've been in it for a couple years now. Because I still binge there. I'm not truly free. I am a slave when it comes to the white powder. <laughs> On these, like, it's sad, man. But I love it. I can't stop. It's the perfect look into human psychology. You got these people. Every two weeks they write in. Another cookie binge. I did a full line again this week. A full line of Oreos. It's literally addicts. 
you see the people who successfully quit in this sugar-free thing they have these long-form posts this was my life on sugar i am fed up today is my day one and then a year later they have an update i didn't touch the damn thing for a year it's all about being in control and being fed up that's my favorite anti-sugar documentary it's literally called fed up highly suggested if we're talking about addiction and this social habit car says do what you can to warn other teenagers about falling into this trap make it socially lame if you can it's not cool to smoke <laughs> it's not it was in the beginning when 1950s parents no it's bad for you fuck you i'm in the hell's angels now it can't be that hard to like scare a kid out of smoking <laughs> you get one day with the dare officer he doesn't teach you about cigarettes being the true gateway drug this cop could easily go undercover act like a loser 50 year old and go up to a bunch of kids cutting class Hey guys, us fellow smokers gotta stick together. Can I bum one more cigarette? Or he walks up with one of the voice modulators. Yeah guys, us smokers. And then all the teens are like, Oh shit, this is the portal into the future I'm looking at. <laughs> we can use the social influence to make it not cool. I need to start organizing these like 1960s flash mobs that used to go against consumerist culture. He ends saying smoking is actually antisocial because you are excluding yourself from the true majority. Yeah, you want to be part of the gaggle of nerds, the fucking scene kids who like to smoke. It's not the best argument from Carr because those are the cool people, <laughs> but you got to quit while you're ahead. Do you really want to woo the people in the antisocial social club, the misfit club? Those aren't the paying customers. <laughs> He's just like, don't let it be you. Chapter 6, Will It Be Difficult? Nothing in life worth doing is simple. <laughs> you're like building up a tolerance for misery. If you're going to change any sort of lifestyle, it's going to be a little bit difficult. Carr is saying timing is one of the most crucial aspects to quitting. And you got to line up your first attempt with a low stress period. You've heard the phrase, timing is everything. That's as much of an understatement as Tiger Woods is a good golfer. No, he's one of the best to ever do it. Timing is going to make or break your attempt. Timing is everything, I would say. 450,000 Americans dropped dead a year from smoking. Over 5 million worldwide. All these people are saying, I wish I never started because the most difficult thing I've ever done is quit. I knew a guy that was addicted to cocaine and he told me quitting cigarettes was harder. How does this even make sense? Question again, what's legal? If the first movie theater that you went to was downtown, you would think the norm of movies is people yelling at the screen, Oh no! Look out behind you! When you have the first cigarette as a teen cutting class, it solidifies the enjoyment of the taboo. Timing. So when you have your first cigarette, if it is in this badass situation, which is pretty cool, smoking at the mall during fifth period, now when you're 50, you still get that residual feeling. Oh, I'm still cool. I'm still a teenager. You're fucking chasing the dragon. That's straight up heroin behavior. You gotta do negative association something Freud may have gotten right actually that was Pavlov another thing he stole 
negative association. Make your kid dig a ditch in the backyard and have him smoke a pack of cigarettes. He's never going to like it again. Half a million people on their deathbeds every year reassure you how difficult it is to quit. (laughs) Half a million people dying in vain. People just in the same traps. Bro, one time I was in an Uber pool. People used to shit on these, but it was really cool. Like, I met dates in Uber pools. I was in this one where it was a lady on her way to the hospital. She was like a goddamn (laughs) traveling balloon man. She had her air tank, and she was talking through one of these, and she was like, honey, do you smoke? I was like, no, ma'am. And after this... (laughs) I let her say it. She was like, never smoke. Look at me. I'm going in for my final whatever. She was like, I don't have high hopes. You gotta fucking have the link to these older people. This is Raskolnikov Marmeladov. The classes need to mix. We need to learn from these other people. I will never smoke habitually after seeing what this lady went through. Jesus. She said it was like drowning in her own lungs. (laughs) I mean, is that enough of a warning? You need to have this face-to-face experience to learn anything as a human. The current state of the world, sterile Ubers are definitely not helping out with this. Again, a lot of people in their family even have someone who's passed away from cigadiction. He says, with the right mindset, smokers can only find it easy to stop, but they can enjoy the process. Be happy if you're like a runner. Every day you're going to be able to go 100 meters further because your lung isn't black. If you get into running, you're going to start again going, why am I doing this? Like I've sat in bed and eaten donuts before and it's fucking awesome. You know, life doesn't get much better than that. But before from that second chapter, you got to bottle the feeling of after you come, after you finish the donuts, you're like... What if I... Don't I exercise? Why do I do this? (laughs) And that's where the comedy lives. In the absurdity where nothing makes sense. Why do we do these things? (laughs) Is it going to be difficult? Yeah. If you act like a pussy, especially, it's going to be difficult. He says on day one, you gotta wake up and embrace your new life. You have to say to yourself, I don't have to smoke today. Not, I don't get to smoke today. He said to try to time your quit around the holidays because what else is around on the holidays? Food. And he said over 50% of quitters gain weight. I don't know, man. If you have trouble with portion control and snacking, you probably got the addictive personality. (laughs) Not a great tip to tell people to just start on the food. But I guess it's better than being addicted to cigarettes. Lost some respect for Carr here. He goes, once you successfully quit smoking, you may need to pick up my other bestseller, Alan Carr's Easy Way to Lose Weight. (laughs) See, now you're an Alan Carr addict. Trading one addiction for another, getting you onto his next book. Gotta respect it. Obviously, it's gonna be more than difficult. It's life-changing. Don't wait for the cravings to subside. There's all these false incentives and brain trickery that you are going to try to trick yourself into procrastinating. Just quit. You are in control. Chapter 7, your last cigarette. Second to last chapter. Carr says one of the main reasons for a failed quit are influence from other smokers. And either them or yourself having a bad day and just bouncing it off of each other. 
You got to get the negative people out of your life. That was like one of the themes of this chapter. They're just going to give you more stress. Change up the circles. What what does Gary V say? Hustle. He's like, you got to have 30% of people that are above you, 30% on your level, and 30% below you. Again, you got to fucking objectify people to try to <laughs> improve yourself. Where the stoic mindset is compared to yourself to how you were yesterday. You don't need to be putting people down. Just wean off. Do one less cigarette every day. I mean, that's not the Alan Carr method. You'll probably pendulum to the other side. There's a lot of ways to do this. He says, do not fall for substitutes. Don't try the patch of gum, the candies, the pills. They have chocolate now. It's like a double L. <laughs> You're doing sugar and nicotine still. Think about it like this. Addiction is a disease, right? That's like what the modern science says. You don't need a substitute disease after you kick polio. Oh, now I need something else. <laughs> I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but this is your last cigarette. This is what is creating the void. You can't smoke this cigarette savoring every last being like, oh my God, I'm going to miss it. He said, enjoy the taste. Enjoy every last disgusting intake into your lungs. But when you put it out, you have to be happier. When you ash that final cigarette, put both hands up in the air, fists in the sky. I did it. I am free. You're going to dance like a freed slave doing a jig on your master's grave. You are free from the tobacco overlords. You owe them. You are done with it. You got to be happy. That has to be the energy that you take into the next three weeks. He says the first three days are the hardest. The next three weeks are going to be the telltale sign if you're going to make it. And I want to bring up the phone again because, <laughs> you know, I bet there's like rehab for L.A. kids who are addicted to TikTok and shit like that. When VR becomes better than reality, people are going to get sucked in just like cigarettes. And then when they withdraw, they're going to be going to Xbox. You know, when you are addicted to your phone they have these things that you put it in black and white mode or it'll lock you out when you reach a certain amount of screen time like you don't want to be reliant on these mechanisms the patch take fucking control of your future you can't decide where your future is but you could take it hostage and bring it there you're in control here you gotta watch out for Zyban and these NRT substitutes He's like, you might as well just vape if you're doing that shit. Chantix, that's the modern one. It's supposed to reduce the urge. The urge isn't going anywhere. You're just suppressing that with the urge for Chantix now. The impulse is a learned neural pathway. You would need a fucking lobotomy to get rid of the impulse. That's why they say never start. Never get this reward path into your brain. You're better without it. I'm going to be a VR Luddite. I know I'm weak, man. Once I put that helmet on, that's it. I'm going to be looking for comedy venues. I'm going to be hiking on VR. I can't go into that world. I'll never come out. <laughs> he said, after that three-week period of quitting, all of the neurotoxins are flushed out for the most part. It takes about a month to get it all out of your system. And he says, this is when ex-smokers feel the best he says try to make this feeling last a lifetime you're finally clean probably since like the day you started smoking at 16 you've never felt 
he said before there's no such thing as a smoker's cough. You just have a permanent mild cold. So this is going to be your first time without being sick in years. And in AA, they call this the pink cloud. <laughs> it's like a period that happens when you get off of any addiction. Oh, I'm born again. I could do anything. It doesn't last forever. So again, you got to try to bottle up this feeling. But after the three weeks, <laughs> you're on your own, buddy. Most people get a degree of the cloud. Some people don't get it at all. For Carr, he said he felt organic jubilation. For the first time, he just danced for no reason. He hadn't done that unless he was smoking in a disco for 30 years. Imagine that, just a pure rush of joy. True serotonin in your brain. I wouldn't know. When you're ready for the last cigarette, make a solemn vow in the mirror. Look at yourself. What? How good is your word if you lie to yourself in the mirror? Don't break that promise. Take that filthy toxin deep into your lungs. Ask yourself, where is the pleasure in this? And again, when you ash that thing, you got to be happier than you've ever ashed a cigarette in your life because you are now free. What did Nietzsche say? The freest spirit is the most disciplined will. This brings us to chapter 8, final instructions. Quicker one. The key to quitting is not waiting for the perfect moment, but to realize that you are in full control. Again, with the three days, most people define the first three days as misery and deprivation. It ain't going to be fun. Is it going to be difficult? For 72 hours, you're going to be in hell. The little devil has to make you pay, get a little bit of your soul for spending so much time with him. And it's a double black diamond, like a slippery slope back into smoking. After that three-week period, you're not in the graces. Alan Carr went six months and then relapsed. Gotta remember, write down those feelings. Write down how the impulse feels. You gotta know what your triggers are is another AA thing. <laughs> and the left wing completely ruined people's sobriety. I'm triggered. I need a safe space. That used to be a real thing. No smoker is given the ability to go back in time and decide to start smoking again. But Alan Carr said every single one of them would choose not to. Don't be the Oxford idiot. Learn from other people. If you fucking die by smoking in the 2020s, you deserve a Darwin Award. Honestly, survival of the fittest. You don't deserve to pass your jeans on if you're choking when there's free air everywhere. <laughs> Carr says there are some things in life that you don't mess around with. Smoking tobacco is one of them. Gotta think ahead. Think about future you. You gotta help them out. Know your answer. People are, I mean, if you're cool, people are gonna offer you cigarettes. Gotta know what's your limit. For most people, that should be zero. Seriously, if you got an addictive personality, smoking tobacco is not something you should play around with. Carr said in an updated chapter in the book I had, I have 20 years of responses. <laughs> you can do this. I've met smokers who are worse than me. 10 packs a day. He had a page in the book that you could tear out and send in with his address on it. He's like, please, this is interactive. Let me know when you finish. I guarantee. You ever see that movie, Thank You for Smoking? The cigarette lobbyists? <laughs> They're going to do a drive-by shoot-up Alan Carr's brownstone. Why would you give your address out? I told you I got this book at a donation center. It stinks of smoke. <laughs> and the completion page was still in my book. 
so rest in peace to the sucker before me. He has a hundred years of science. This guy didn't even email Alan Carr that he quit. <laughs> this episode has been in memory of that sorry sap. <laughs> Carr gets insane offers from these millionaires. They're like, I'll give you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Just hypnotize me. Do your magic. And he's selective with his clients. He's like, only if you're ready to change will the change work. Stop hitting yourself. Why are you hitting yourself? You ever think about this one? It is illegal to kill yourself, but you are allowed to sacrifice yourself at the altar of big tobacco, a daily tax over 40 years if you last that long. Physician-assisted suicide, not allowed. Do not let these scumbags win. You have control over your body. I mean, you don't in 2021. <laughs> Bodily autonomy. Your body is not your choice. You will be jabbed. I want to see everybody out there healthy. As much as we joked around today, society has demonized the victim instead of the disease. Think about that. We say, you're stupid for smoking. <laughs> People are born at severe disadvantages. People are born extremely addictive. We have to blame the disease. <laughs> Addiction is seriously going to be looked at as slavery in the future. And you're going to be unpersoned if you joked about it like me. I'm trying to help you. <laughs> Most everyone would agree that a quick death is better than a slow one, right? You don't want to drown in your lungs like that lady I spoke with. The government, out of pocket, spends $500 million a year on tobacco control. You know, you get that day with the D.A.R.E. officer. The government pockets $25 billion a year in the hiked-up tobacco taxes. You still think they care about your health? You got some nut jobs spitting into a mic about how we could all be stoic, we could all rise up, we could get off the teat, the sinister trap. Kara says, you won't realize how big the gift I'm giving you is until you fully embrace it. Never doubt the decisions that you have made. This is your goddamn life out there. Write it how you want. Just be aware of these addictive traps. That is Alan Carr's How to Stop Smoking. What an empowering episode. Definitely a fun one. Fumigated some funny topics. Next week is shaping up to be another exclusive episode. That is right. Over on the Patreon page, there's a full conspiratorial at that episode noam chomsky propaganda and the public mind best-selling offer some of his radio interviews we go deep on that one check out the patreon page you're missing out if you're not because next week we're probably going deep with bob woodward's veil you're missing out eventually the entire backlog is moving over there for probably three bucks a month so get in while the getting's cheap it's a book like a bum a fag for that price quality content over there i hope we helped some people out today for all the joking there's nothing stopping you you can do it my name is nick muniz i'll see you guys in a fortnight take it easy later <laughs>